Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of the Fox Nomad podcast. I'm your host, Fox Nomad, Anul Polat. I'm in Denver right now, but I am getting ready to go to Belize. Like, in a couple of hours, I normally don't record the intro to the podcast this crazy late uh, or, you know, right before a flight, but here we are. But you'll see the connection in a minute when you listen to this episode because my guest today is Marshall Mayer. He is one of the people behind letsbuyanisland.com, which if I'm going to sum it up, we'll get into the details in the episode, but if I'm going to sum it up, basically he crowdfunded an island and that island is now on its way to becoming a micronation. Where is this island? It's off the coast of Belize. Guess who's going to Belize? Hopefully, hopefully by the next episode, I will have some some information to share with you because I might get a chance to actually visit this island, this new micronation that is going to be birthed. So it is one of the coolest ideas. Uh, this was a great conversation. At one point, I'll warn you though, I do lose my voice. At, it's just it's minor, but I needed a glass of water. So my voice turns into Kermit the Frog. Uh, don't mind that, please. Uh, nothing wrong with your headphones. It is is definitely just me trying to talk through a dry throat. So I think you're going to enjoy this episode very much. In an upcoming episode, hopefully we'll get to talk about Belize, uh, a little bit about Denver too. I haven't really gotten a chance to talk about that. And there is some interesting tech news coming up. So all of that in an upcoming episode, hopefully in a week or two from by the time you're listening to this, and by the time you're listening to this, I'm I'm probably going to be on a beach somewhere and I, I'm looking forward to it. So I'm going from snow. And if you've seen the Instagram, I'm going from snowy mountains and skiing all the way to tropical. It's kind of amazing. We live in a world where we can just, you know, fly halfway across the world and be in a different side of the planet like that. So pretty interesting. Anyway, uh, enjoy this episode with Marshall. Again, I had a blast uh, in this conversation. Just such a great idea that has actually become a reality. So I hope you'll enjoy it. Maybe you want to become a citizen of this micronation or an investor. The website is letsbuyanisland.com. You can visit it after you listen to this episode. So here we go. Thanks again, Marshall, for taking the time to, to join the podcast. I read about this story and I was like, I need to talk to the people behind this because it's kind of one of the coolest things I've ever heard. Um, to sum it up, right, am I getting this right? Your crowd funding, crowdsourcing purchase of an island off the coast of Belize. Is that that the, the first part of this? That, that is the first part of this, uh, although it is past tense. We have crowdfunded and have purchased the island. So, uh, so it, it belongs to us, and our next step is building on it. So this is Coffee Key, right? This is uh, I've yes. seen some photos of it. I think, is, is that your background now? Yeah, my background now is is Coffee Key. It's uh, it's right where we expect to be building in the next few months. So, how? First of all, I guess how does one purchase an island? How does that work? Well, see, that's the boring part of this whole thing because because an island is a property like anything else. The only difference is it's surrounded on all sides by water. I uh, or or I think better said is uh, the only difference is it's um you have no neighbors. So I. Uh, you know that's really the only the only thing. So, for Belize, there's I think more than 350 privately owned islands in the country, and uh, you know they all sit along the coast. Um, whereas you know if you go to the U.S., there's private islands you can purchase that are sitting in the middle of a river or a bay. Um, and and we looked all over the world for for different properties, but for us the main question was not 
you know, can you, or how do you do it? I mean, you go through a real estate agent and you find um, properties that are for sale. Uh, the question really is where can you purchase a property that makes sense for us um, in terms of access, in terms of uh, appeal, in terms of weather, size, price, you know, all, all of those things and legal jurisdiction. So I guess the, the, first question is then what this what made you decide hey an island would i mean aside from the fact that an island is pretty cool to to have an island but you know what where did the idea come from well it actually started with exactly that uh the, you know, it would be pretty cool to own an island i was i was on a uh, a call with a, a friend of mine who became my partner in this and we were basically asking the question of you know have you you know seen this island up for sale some something that had kind of made the rounds in the news and, uh, and then he said, you know, I have a friend who has owned an island for 20 years. He keeps trying to sell on the Philippines. And I said, oh, interesting. You know, tell me more. And he goes, well, you know, he's trying to sell it for $350,000 and it's 36 acres, you know, a massive property. Uh, you know, maybe we could buy it. And I said, I said, come on. I mean, like, I mean, I, I, I have a good job, but I don't have $300,000 lying around, you know? Um, and, and we just started talking about, you know, well, if we, what if we wanted to buy an island generally, you know, what would we, what would we get? How would we get it? And, and it just started with that question. And we just moved from there on, on to, uh, you know, how do you fund it? Would people be willing to chip in for this with us? Uh, and, and what do we do if we don't raise the kind of money that we want to raise, um, over time? And I think that's where we succeeded, where we've seen other projects like ours fail. Um, we've seen most people make kind of one of one or two, but usually both mistakes, uh, which is they say, we need X dollars to be successful and we need this Island, which costs this much money. And what people forget is that islands, like any other property, these are not bottles of water in the supermarket. You can't go and spend a dollar on them and walk out, and it's always the same price. Uh, you, you can't, you know, it's a property. It involves, there's negotiations involved. There's also other buyers involved. And when that buyer comes in, there's no extra bottle of water for you to buy. Your island is now gone. And, and if the price is half a million or whatever it is, if you can't raise that half million, you've now failed too, because you can't buy the island that you've advertised or the property you've advertised. And so uh, we opted not to do either of those things. We opted to say, hey guys, there are islands out there. They started around $20,000. If we can at least get $20,000, we'll get a tiny piece of land surrounded by a river somewhere in North of Canada, you know, and, and it's, that's just what we're gonna get. And then we're gonna say we own an island and that's the end of it, but at least we'll have succeeded. And that was sort of where we looked at it. We looked at it as, as the goal is to own the island. What kind of island we can own depends on how much we can raise. Where it is depends on how much we can raise. And what we do with it depends on how much we can raise. And that's where we kind of, uh, that, that's where we started from. And, and because of that, we were able to look all over the world. We were able to look in um, uh, Belize as uh, where we ended up, but also US and Canada, Estonia, Ireland, Malaysia, Philippines, um, uh, Panama, Nicaragua. I mean, we really looked. And, and we never told anyone where it would be until we knew. And, and we didn't know until we put down an offer that people uh, you know, voted on and, and, uh, and chose with us. So they were kind of, our investors were with us every step of the way. And I think, I think in that sense, we were able to really do a lot more with the project than, than other people who have tried similar things.
it seems kind of counterintuitive because you're you're basically um, asking for investor money for an island, but they don't know where it is. Um, they don't know what they're gonna get. You you might have that you know island in the middle of a river, which is you know in the frozen part of Canada, which is you know nobody wants to go to. <coughs> Excuse me. So how did you convince people to crowdsource it? Well, that's that's where it was kind of like pulling teeth for a little bit because uh, you know it's it's much easier to say we're buying this island, this place, but instead we were saying we're buying an island someplace, and and that does make it harder. Uh, but I would rather do that and and have been open and honest with people than than the alternative. Um, I think going forward, and we do plan on doing projects like this and and continuing uh, with with additional funds for additional properties, uh, but. Going forward, I, I would hope that our reputation precedes us a little bit at this point and that it becomes easier, but I don't expect that we're ever going to change our tune in terms of, you know, promising something that we cannot guarantee. Uh, and, and this was something we could guarantee is that there are islands out there, technically. We don't want the cold island in Canada, though. <laughs> we're very happy being in the 80 plus degree weather in Belize. That's more than fine with me. So did you put it on Kickstarter or... One of those no, kind of no, no. So we we uh, went through our own. Uh, we started with friends and family, and we moved out from there. Every single investor we've spoken to personally, um, we've we've uh, uh, had them sign paperwork and worked through that sort of equity transfer. You know, legally, uh, you know, all of that's been done sort of above board and 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 the way a traditional business would do it, uh, just with much smaller amounts. Uh, is, is how we looked at it. Uh, we, we may look at our next project working with an existing equity crowdfunding platform, uh, which which follows, we don't technically fall into the legal definition of crowdfunding uh, because uh, crowdfunding involves uh, anybody can just pop on, go online, you know, put in $20 and that's it and they own a fractional share. Uh, we did speak to every single person. We have documentation from every person and we have, you know, share, share paperwork and all kinds of stuff. So, uh, it was a little bit more difficult. I think the next steps will will probably go through an equity crowdfunder, like and Kickstarter, but different. <laughs> what's the the average investment? I I I saw a number online, but I, I'm not sure if it's uh, correct. Around like five thousand dollars per investor, or did it, you know, did it change? So what our our early investors who came on board invested thirty one fifty US, um, and we've kind of had a stepped investment uh, since we purchased the island. We started stepping up the cost of investment. Uh, not, you know, for, for no other reason than there's people early on who took a significant risk on an island that didn't exist. And, you know, people are coming in later, taking a much lesser risk because they know the property and they can make, you know, the appropriate decisions um, as to uh, as to how risky that is for, for their tolerance. So th these uh, initial investors, why invest in an island? In, in other words, what, what benefit do they get out of it? Look, in the end, they're Technically, no one's investing in an island. Um, they're investing in a business that now owns an island. Um, that business uh, continues to, uh, well, we're still finalizing our last shares, but we have, all of our shares are spoken for at this point. Uh, we are in the process of going in for permits where we're going to build out our beach, we're going to build the house on it, and we're going to start renting it out um, for, you know, you know for money. <laughs> so in the end, that's, that's why people invest, uh, by and large. Um, we have a handful of investors who just said, I've always wanted to own an island. I can't ever afford it. So here's three grand and let's do it. 
Um, so, and, and, and everywhere in between, uh, you know, we've got a, a guy who's been very supportive of us in the Netherlands who uh, has basically said it's very unlikely he'll ever visit. Uh, he doesn't travel much, but he just loves the dream. He loves the idea. He hopes he makes a little bit of money off of it. And, you know, and if one or both of those things happen, he'll be happy. Oh, that's, that's, that's pretty cool. So basically, you know, they've invested uh, the ideas. You'll build a property or properties there. People mm -hmm. rent those out and then the investors will share in the, the revenue from those vacation rentals. Um, Correct. And it's it's an interesting business concept. Uh, did you have some experience? It sounds like you have some experience with real estate before this, right? Or, or did you not? And this was just a first time. So as far in the real estate world, not as much as I would have liked uh, going into this, although it was a great learning process. Uh, as far as um, travel and tourism, um, you know, I've been to about 90 countries and my uh, partner in this has been to 130 something. Um, you know, we're, we're big travelers and, and uh, we love uh, going to and spending time in different cultures. So when we, uh, you know, started on this project, we were trying to figure out where, where, the, where the alignment of our experiences. Uh, my partner has been in the tour and tourism industry for, for 20, you know, 15 years or so, maybe 20. Um, and, uh, and he's been bringing tour groups all around the world, you know, for, for most of that time. So, uh, so attracting people to come stay in a place, uh, you know, where, when he's, you know, worked uh, and managed hostels and, ho you know, small hotels. Uh, I've worked in hostels before, sort of, you know, early in my life. Uh, you know, that's no issue for us. The international business side, we've both been doing business internationally for years. Uh, in terms of construction, um, I may not have experience in terms of the real estate itself, but I have been built, I've spent uh, two years building homes in the Philippines. Um, after a uh, after a pretty horrible typhoon there uh, almost a decade ago now, uh, but I I spent time working with local architects, uh, you know, local builders, training people up, getting uh, the construction um, uh, construction done with relatively cheap materials to withstand typhoons. Um, so in terms of building in remote places on islands, I actually have done that. Um, and, uh, and then we're also partnering, uh, with a, a really interesting and innovative company called, um, uh, ArcSpace that we are, uh, looking to, uh, use their construction on the island or at least partially, which, uh, they specialize in off-grid sustainable housing. So that's going to be the idea is that we're going to have a housing solution, which is, you know, several bedrooms that people can come and stay in, uh, but it'll be solar powered but not just solar power, but it'll also be um, uh, wastewater is going to be processed and cleaned so it can be released back into the ground without harming the ground or leaching into the water. Um, we, we have uh, options for desalination, for drinking water, or uh, this really cool technology where these panels will extract moisture out of the air and you can use that for drinking water. Um, so some really interesting technologies, but basically, you know, through this partnership as well, you know, we're looking to uh, to build this up and make it a very cool little boutique eco resort. And how much did the island? I don't know if you can share the. How much did it end up costing? Oh yeah, I can totally share that. We've been very <laughs> open about it. Uh, we bought it for one hundred eighty thousand US. Um, I'm proud to say that's a little bit under half of what the owners originally asked for, um, the prior owners. So uh, and and I take that as a point of pride for my negotiation skills. Um, 
but uh, we bought it for 180 US. We paid about 40 in terms of taxes and fees, you know, with the transfers and, and lawyers, et cetera. So all about 220, about all in. And, uh, and we expect to spend about the same on construction as well. And uh, so I, I actually have a trip to Belize scheduled for like in two weeks. So I, I, I've i sort of been looking at these islands and I was mm -hmm. like, where exactly is Coffee Key when it comes to the, the geography of Belize? So we're about halfway between, maybe not halfway, a little bit outside of Belize city on the way to Key Calker. Um, so it's it's due north of the city. It's about six or seven miles, really not not super far. It takes about 15, 20 minutes by boat. Um, from from the shore. If you're interested, I can hook you up with my uh, with my boat guy down there. He's a great dude, and he will take you out there, bring a couple of cold beers, and you can you know you can hang out you know and check out the property before it's uh, before it's uh, settled. I would I would love to do that. I'll definitely right. take you up on that. All right, we'll touch base after this. Cool. So you know how does it? I guess this is just silly questions when you think about an island. How does it work? Can you know, when you show up at the island, how do they know it's how do they know it's yours? In other words, do I guess anybody with a boat can just right now just show up at the island? Uh, oh yeah, and 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 they do. Uh, there's there's a an abandoned uh, rusting uh, refrigerator that was left on the island um, a couple of years ago, and it's used uh, for uh, storage of fish that local fishermen have caught. Um, they'll use it as a table, you know, and barbecue. Uh, occasionally we've, we've come and we found, um, you know, empty beer bottles and, and stuff that, you know, people have left behind, uh, you know, as long as there's nothing there, I mean, it's, uh, I'm, I've, I've, I've got no issues with it. We actually built an outhouse there recently so that when we come out and camp, which we've done a couple of times, you know, people have a place to go, but we made sure we didn't want to put a lock on or anything else. Cause we, sh it should be open for, for Belizeans too. Um, especially while it's, while there's nothing being built on it. So, uh, we, we welcome our guests and, and I mean, how do you know, no, how do you know whose property it is? You know, if there's an empty lot, you know, you feel free to walk on it, right? Um, it's only when someone's built on it that it becomes a bit weird. But we want to be open to people and and we want people to stop by for a beer and we want to, you know, welcome, uh, you know, Belizeans because we're in Belize. And so we, we don't want to be an exclusive kind of place that that keeps people out. And do you get some kind of citizen? You know, a lot of countries where you make a big investment, they give you citizenship. Uh, do you have, did, was that an offer? Was that an option at all? So Belize doesn't offer something like that for investment, um, but they do um, have, you do have the ability to apply for citizenship if you spend a year there uh, uh, living. So I may not ever qualify because I'm likely going to be going back and forth a lot from New York. My partner is likely going to move down there for at least a couple of years. And basically it works that once you move in, uh, you apply for uh, temporary uh, residency. And then after a year, you can apply for permanent residency. And during that year, I think the only requirement is you have to spend um, most of your time in Belize and you can only leave for less than 14 days at a time. So, so that basically is just you showing that you want to be living in Belize. And at, after that year, uh, you get permanent residency, and then there's about a four-year waiting period before you get your citizenship. But you have, but you then have the ability to go back and forth as much as you want. So, so that's sort of how my understanding, at least, of how the citizenship route works for people who want second citizenship. Um, I'm I'm marrying a Turkish woman in a few months, so uh, I'll be I'll be getting my Turkish citizenship if I if I need second citizenship. <laughs> that's where I'll be going. Um, but uh, but. 
I think for uh, for people who want, you know, Belize as an option, which is a great option, it's a beautiful country and and amazing people. It's it's definitely doable. And and speaking of citizenship, I have read that you can be a citizen of the island, right? Of I- Islandia or Islandia. Um, what is that all about? How does that work? <laughs> yeah, so so I was waiting for you to get to this. Um, I, I usually don't bring it up myself. Um, we we have been branding ourselves as what we call a micronation. Um, and that's not to say we think there's any form of true independence here. We're not trying to break away from Belize. We love our hosts. Um, and uh, And we recognize exactly where we are, just to be clear. However, um, micronations have a really interesting and rich history um, uh, in a very quirky subset of, of the traveling community. And, uh, and it's something that we really enjoyed uh, collectively visiting other micronations. And we thought it might be really fun to kind of have our own. So uh, famous micronations include places like Sealand, uh, which is uh, probably the most, in quotes, legitimate micronation. Uh, that that exists. Uh, Sealand was a pirate radio station off the coast of England for a number of years before uh, the British tried to annex it and take it back. It was a pl- it was a radio station relay platform from World War II that was taken over in the 60s and it had been abandoned. It was in international waters, and somebody took it over and started living on it. And England tried to take it back, and the Supreme Court basically ruled that England has no. Uh, legal claim over that territory anymore, which they consider in Sealand a de facto recognition of their sovereign status. Um, so it's, you know, it's in a weird place. But most other micronations are more are much more tongue in cheek, you know, friendly, they're artist communities like in, uh, Christiania in Copenhagen or Ujapis in, in Vilnius. There's a place called I think it's Moravia in, in Nevada, which I've never actually been to. But from what I understand, it's a guy's property and a few of his neighbors who have decided that they're a micronation. Uh, they've built a naval monument in the middle of the desert to all of their naval heroes. And uh, he likes to take pictures of himself in a silly uniform. And and people come and visit. He's got a little post office where he'll give you a stamp if you want it. Um, and, and he even has uh, a currency that has, it, it, okay, I'm, I'm gonna make sure I get this right. The value of one of his dollars, a Moravian dollar or whatever it's called, is equivalent to the USD value of one third of a tube of Pillsbury dough. Okay. You know, <laughs> dough that you know you bake and you know whatever for cookies <laughs> and croissants and whatnot. So, so that's because again, it's tongue in cheek. You know, he's he's just a guy who had a dream and thought it would be fun. Um, and famously, I think he once told told a news outlet that he still pays his U.S. taxes, but he writes foreign debt on the checks. Or foreign aid, sorry, foreign aid on the checks. You know, is that he's like sending it to the U.S. and yeah, the IRS. But anyway, point is, <laughs> it's it's a really fun project for us, and we're branding ourselves a little bit uh, as a micronation. So, uh, for us, it's a big international community. We've got six hundred plus, um, you know, citizens now. Uh, you know, have jumped on board and just thought it would be really really fun um, project to support. And they range from you know Nepal, India, and Bangladesh all the way to you know Australia, New Zealand. Uh, you know, to, you know, all over Europe to as far south as, you know, Argentina and Chile. So it's, it's really, we're, we're all over the world um, in terms of people who find this a really, you know, fascinating project. Um, and I might add also, you know, Belize and its neighbors too have, have joined on board. So, so yeah, sorry, go on. <laughs> no, no, I was just going to say, so how do you become a citizen of Islandia? 
Well, if you, go to our web, if you go to our website, letsbuyanisland.com uh, slash shop, <laughs> uh, you'll have the opportunity. You can get citizenship. You can get a, a, a noble title. You can become a lord or lady of Islandia. Um, if, you, uh, if you'd like a, a physical ID card uh, from us, you can get one as well. Uh, and that all that says is, you know, identification card of the Principality of Islandia. So, so you know, all of that's available. Um, at some point, we may decide to do other stuff, novelty passports or other titles or whatever, you know, what have you. Uh, but but for now, that's that's what's available. And you can also get, you know, T-shirts and mugs and, uh, you know, bags and other things that, you know, if you want to support us, I think that would be great. So, so basically, uh, you know, the, the you'd still are going to Belize to get to Islandia, right? To get to your micronation. It's not that you're going to have a separate, you know, like, I guess you're not going to have an airport on the island where you're yeah, going to be fast. I think, I think we don't have enough room for our international <laughs> airport quite yet. Um, <laughs> indeed, I think, uh, you know, to, to come to us, you'll have to fly into Belize uh, or, or across the border from Mexico. Uh, the, uh, from Belize's international airport, we're less than an hour. Uh, away. I've left from, you know, six o'clock in the morning, granted, but I've left from New York City, you know, at six o'clock in the morning on a flight to Belize, and I'll, I'm on the island by lunch. So it's a really um, much closer than you think. And Belize is a beautiful place to come visit. And is there anything, you know, are there any animals on the island? Uh, you know, how big is the island, I guess, to, as for a comparison to? Sure. So, so the island is, uh, it's about an acre and a half. Um, so it's not gigantic. Uh, but we are, you know, to give you an idea, I mean, I grew up, well, to give myself an idea for at least for my own context, you know, I, I grew up on a property of an acre with a house, you know, of about 3000 square feet, you know, it was pretty sizable. There's a family of four, um, in the suburbs and we never ran out of room of, of things to do and places to be, you know, on that property. Um, this is 50% larger and we're going to build about 50% smaller. Um, so, so we are, you know, it's a lot bigger than you think. And, and we're looking at doing things like weddings and other, you know, uh, other events out there as well. Um, but yeah, the property is about an acre and a half and, uh, uh, we actually would prefer it that way. It's, it's intimate and it's nice. And it, you know, you really feel like you're, you're on a place that's, that's quiet and, and natural. So, uh, as far as animals, there's no big animals at all. Um, we have talked about getting an island goat or an island dog or both, um, <laughs> but uh, but nothing has been settled on yet. We have some small lizards, hermit crabs, uh, uh, some mosquitoes at night, but uh, but not much because we get a lot of wind coming in from from offshore, and uh, and yeah, and as we build on it and start clearing some of the grasses and, and stuff, we'll we'll lose a little bit of that, but uh, we want to keep as much of the natural life as we can. Um, and we don't have anything dangerous. I mean, there's no snakes or anything like that. So that well, helps. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> you, you don't want a, a vacation island with, you know, deadly snakes. I think there's one in off the coast of Brazil where it's like the most deadly. Oh, the snake island? The snake island. <laughs> yeah, I've read about that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah, some researcher ended up, I think they just, they didn't know at the time. They just ended up there. It was like a, their boat broke down and I was like, oh, not, not the place you, you want to end up. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's not it's not a great place. Apparently, uh, the island at times, if you sail close enough to it, it looks like it's moving because there's so many snakes on the island, which is just unreal. I can't even imagine. It creeps me out so much. 
Yeah, that's no way you couldn't pay me enough to go visit yeah, that island. No, I fully agree with Indiana Jones here. Like, I, I really <laughs> hate snakes. <laughs> yeah. So, when you're, you know, you've gotten a lot of uh, media attention about the island. Why, why do you think that is? I mean, is it because it's one of the few success stories and it's just such an unusual way to, to buy an island? You know, I, I've been asking myself that question for a while. We've been published now in probably 80 publications in 20 plus languages at this point. Um, you know, and not to mention some news appearances, you know, in print online, both and on every continent except Antarctica. So, so to be honest, I don't know why. Um, I, I, I would like to think it's because all of us, every single person on the planet has had a dream like that at some point. And, and I'd like to think that I'd like to think that it touches that part of yourself, the part that kind of outgrew it, but has always in the back of their head thought like, it would be nice to have a private island, wouldn't it? <laughs> um, you know, it has that, to have that feeling, I think is, is a really cool thing. And, uh, and I think part of it, unfortunately, maybe because of COVID, um, I think part of it is, is people who have been sort of holed up at home for a really long time and are, you know, feeling that need for an escape and seeing a story that, that, of people who have built an escape like that, um, which I think is a very interesting and cool, um, you know, thing to see if you're in that situation. Uh, and so I think those two things in, in concert really, uh, re really drove viewership and readership for, for this project. And I'm very happy it did. You know, we received a lot of uh, interest in investing or visiting um, our, our project. Uh, I got more than 3,000 emails in about three days uh, from, you know, this first, the CNN article, and then sort of all the articles that followed. And we answered all of them. I answered all of them. And it took me two weeks <laughs> uh, to catch up. And I still get 30 or 50 a day um, at this point um, of people who are interested. And uh, I think that's uh, both very exciting. It's also, uh, you know, it, it's stressful a little bit and I'm up late and my fiance gets really upset with me sometimes because, you know, I'm up until two o'clock in the morning answering emails, but I, you know, but it's, it's just part of that growing pains of sort of figuring out, you know, where we go from here. And I think the coolest thing about this project, which is, you know, a lot of people focus on the micronation aspect. I think it's very fun. I think the coolest thing is the way we've built this community of people who are supporting this really interesting project and, and the places we can go from here are really, really cool. So, in a, so though this project itself, as far as the buildings and stuff, it's it's effectively fully funded. We're getting very close to finalizing our last shares. Um, I would encourage anybody to reach out to me. Uh, you know, you can find a contact page on the website, or you can email me directly, Marshall at letsbuyanisland.com. But I would highly recommend anybody reach out to me because we are looking at some other really interesting projects that we can work towards next um, to use this community to do some really, really cool things. And that could be anything from uh, an additional island that we want to buy, you know, maybe something uh, in Ireland that we really like, you know, a little closer to Europe, warm during the summer months, get a little chilly in the winter, but, you know, we can make it work. Um, or uh, looking at uh, something in the Philippines for people who live in Southeast Asia or want another really warm climate to go to. But, uh, but there's other things that we can do. And we've, we're looking at things like let's buy a vineyard. You know, let's buy a brewery, let's buy a restaurant, let's buy a bar, let's buy a, you know, a, a town, <laughs> you know, any, any, there's a lot of places you can go from here. And I think uh, for us, this is a proof of concept and it's only a proof of concept. You know, the next step for us is, is uh, we're hoping it's going to be something much bigger and we want to include as many people as we can in that.
that's that's pretty cool um so is you know the best way for people to get in touch and join this community is through through your site directly or are there other like you know social media or anything like that so you can you can find us on uh, Instagram at, at Let's Buy an Island. Uh, you can search for us on Facebook. We have a group there too where we announce some things. Uh, but really, the best way is to uh, is to email us um, directly. Uh, again, my name my email is Marshall at Let's Buy an Island .com. You can also reach out to contact at Let's Buy an Island .com. It also comes to me, <laughs> uh, or or you can go on our website and you can fill out. We have a, a join us form and own the island form. A few places that you can fill out. Um, on letsbuyanisland.com uh, that will come straight to our team and we'll make sure that you end up on our list so that when we're ready to go out for our next project, which we're working on right now, uh, I don't want to announce it quite yet. Uh, you know, we uh, are able to get back to you and say, yeah, okay, here, you know, we want you to be the first ones to have access to, uh, to joining this project. Cool. Um, I, it's definitely very interesting. I think I, I'll, I'll leave a link to it down in the show notes. So people can check it out, but the, the let's buy a blank just seems like a very cool, cool concept. I yeah, mean. and that's and that's the brand that we want to grow this with. I mean, we we look at this as as you know by joining up with this company and and becoming a supporter of this company and eventually an investor of its various funds. Uh, the Let's Buy brand is the kind of thing where you know you really can become a part of that experience, uh, you know, and get get an insight into. You know, let's use the example of Let's Buy a brewery, right? You know, you can go on a brewery tour, you can see how stuff is done. But if you wanted to go in the back and see how the the sausage is made, so to speak, you know the 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 really stuff, the the really dirty stuff in the back that you know everyone's sort of, you know the trade secrets and whatever, you can be a part of that. You know, even as a small investor, you can come visit. We'll take you in the back. You're an owner. Um, you know, having that access and being able to understand really how the business works and looking at the books and looking at you know how um, uh, you know how various market forces affect whatever you know whatever your interest is. Uh, I think that being a part of these different projects is a great way to do it without having to shell out millions of dollars for yourself. That that is super cool. I, I just I I think you're right. You you've touched on something where you know you just love the idea. Um, so um, I, I I guess when does Coffee Key open up? When, when do you start? When do you think you'll start expecting guests? Well, we've already had a few actually in the last few weeks, uh, and I've 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 camped there twice in the last few months. Uh, so technically, it is 100% open right now. Uh, we're not yet charging. <laughs> we are happy for people to come yet come and stay and and to camp out and spend some time there, have a beer, take pictures, post it online. All of that is more than you know. We're more than happy to uh, to support, and we'll even set you up with a boat guy if you need one. If you know when you're in town. Um, but as far as the actual building itself, uh, we're looking at putting in our permits soon in the next couple of weeks. Uh, and then we are playing a waiting game while we plan, uh, plan the rest of the island. So, uh, that'll be probably three, four or five months. And then we're hoping to, uh, be built shortly thereafter. Uh, our partners on this, uh, on the building aspect of it, uh, which we're, we're, uh, again, you know, we're finalizing and it needs to go to shareholder approval, et cetera. But uh, we're hoping to finalize our partnership with this company, ArcSpace, uh, which prefabricates everything off-grid or sorry, off-site and designs the buildings to be off-grid. So hopefully uh, the way that we have this planned out is we will have the, uh, the property itself ready uh, as soon as the permits are done. And as soon as that 
foundation is in, we can have the actual houses come in and just be craned on and attached and be ready to go. Um, but a very short answer to, to a very short answer following up my very long answer uh, would be that we're hoping for September, October um, as, as our closing uh, or grand opening, I should say. Uh, and that's just in time for high season for Belize. Well, so it seems like you're you're going to be very busy, or you are already very busy, uh, as this first project, you know, is well underway. Yeah, I'm. I am busy, uh, Anil. I've got you know, I've got this business. I've got uh, you know, a wedding to plan in September. I've got uh, you know, uh, my day job. <laughs> I've got you know, partners and investors that I'm that I'm dealing with. We're looking at a new project. It's it's a busy time of the year, but uh, honestly, it's energizing and uh, and it really. This is what wakes me up in the morning more than anything else. It 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 really comes across. So you can really, uh, you know, like feel the enthusiasm. And I think it's something that's different than the usual like corporate. I, I guess when when you you know if it was like some big company behind this, you would think like ah, there's the the motivation just kind of gets washed away, right? But like in this case, you really do feel like you're part of something that's like you said, like a really cool idea and that the, that people can be a part of. Yeah, I, I think I think you're right. I think it's, uh, you know, this is this is the kind of project I've always dreamed of doing. And and I never really dreamed that I'd end up doing it this way. Uh, but I've, I've just been enjoying every second of it. So before I let you go, before we wrap up, mm -hmm. I, I wanted to ask you about your travels. You mentioned you've been to 90 some countries. Um, how, how did that happen? What was that process like? Were you traveling, you know, as a kid or was this, you know, when you were an adult and just kind of backpacking around, how did, how did that happen? So I, I think it was two things for me, you know, when I was growing up, uh, my parents are very comfortable travelers in Western Europe. Then we, you know, we would go to France and Italy, um, you know, Spain and England, uh, and, and Switzerland, I think when I was younger and I always enjoyed that. But for me, it was it was an exercise in, you know, you, you know, you learn a few words, you try to get by, but mostly you can just speak English and, you know, you're young anyway, nobody cares. Um, and you're with your family. So so I really enjoyed those trips and I wanted to kind of go a little bit outside my comfort zone. And then it was it was in high school. I started studying Chinese. Uh, it was I was sick and tired of studying studying Spanish and I didn't think I was very good at it. So I thought I'd try something new. And I studied Chinese for six years. I ended up minoring in it in college. And, uh, but after the first year or second year of studying Chinese, um, I decided to go spend a summer in China. And, and I told my parents, I said, I want to go spend the summer in China. And I was 17 years old. And my mom said, uh, yeah, you can, you can go if you can get a job, you know, thinking that would be the end of it. So I went and I found a job in China. And, uh, and I spent the summer out there. And that was when I was introduced to sort of you know, how big the world is outside of, you know, outside of Western Europe, outside of the cultures that, you know, I, we were very comfortable with growing up in the US. And, uh, and since then, I've been, I've been on the road traveling um, as much as I possibly can. Uh, just came back from Antarctica in December, uh, checking off continent number six, I'm still missing uh, Australia, unfortunately. Okay. But, uh, but hopefully, hopefully soon. Uh, almost everybody else in the boat that was their seventh continent, but uh, but for me it was number six. So uh, you know, I, I love just being uh, all over the world. I've I've been to almost all of the former Soviet Union. I've got two more to go: Moldova and uh, and Armenia. Um, I've been uh, all over 
North Africa. I haven't really been uh, sub-Saharan yet, and that's next on my list. Uh, but I love going to places that are unique, interesting, and most importantly, good food. Yeah, yeah. Which, which <laughs> is is actually almost a given in most countries. And I, I won't name the couple that I don't. I'm not a fan of because I wouldn't do that. But <laughs> most places have great food. But it's just about hunting it down. Um, and you know, I was just in Mexico City last weekend having you know fantastic tacos and uh, you know left and right and and other food too. But honestly, the tacos were you know the main attraction. Um, and we went, you know, my fiance and I went to nine different uh, restaurants and street food stands in the day, in a day, one day, um, you know, because because the food is is everything. So so that's you know, I just I I love traveling and uh, you know as uh, I think there was a famous. Norwegian explorer who said, you know, I haven't been there yet, or I haven't been there yet, but it's on my list. Yeah. You know, whatever there is. <laughs> Are you trying to get to all the countries? Is it part of some bigger goal or? Yeah, I mean, I'd like to, I, I, I feel no need to, uh, you know, to advertise it or, you know, put it in the news, you know, man, man hits every country. I feel like it's old news at this point. A lot of people are already doing it. Um, but I just, you know, I, I haven't found a culture yet that I haven't found interesting to some extent. Um, and I'm a student of history as well. And, and I think that, you know, one of the biggest disservices to me when I was growing up was, was not learning enough about enough of the world. And, and, you know, we, when we're studying history, at least in the US, it's very focused on US history, European history, you touch a little bit on Asian history, maybe you touch a little bit on South American history, maybe. Um, but, but you just, you don't get the kind of integrated version of history that you want to that you want to you know understand and 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 read about and and i found that you learn so much more by traveling and and seeing a seeing a road you know it's just a simple road you learn more about that place that you're in than anything you could read um this the stuff that that i i usually go to a place and then i read more about it after i've left um because I like the first impression of showing up and not really understanding where I am and getting a feel for that place. And then having somebody else who studied it, spent years and years and years becoming an expert in that region, being able to tell me about why that place is the way it is. But I've already got that first impression in my head, that feeling of just appearing to a new culture. And I, 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 that to me is one of the most exciting feelings. Yeah, I think that's, it's, that's a really good concept to have it's because a lot of times now especially we can just research you know the crap out of a place and just know so much before we show up but there's something that's really invigorating about just showing up and really not knowing um, but you also mentioned something that i've noticed too is that you can tell a lot about a place by the roads and how people feel about their roads if the roads are good in a lot of places, people are take pride in the roads, and I would I would have never thought that. But it's really, you know, either they hate the roads or they love the roads, or this road is good and this one isn't. But it tells you a lot about a place. Yeah, and yeah, people... it's true. And you 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 know whether it's uh you know you can tell if if you've got a you know government that takes care of its country, if you've got you know good roads and good infrastructure, um, but you can also tell the kind of culture that you're in. You know, there's there's places where you know, keeping your distance from people, even before social distancing, keeping your distance from people in personal space is very important. And people want to, you know, uh, uh, sort of give you your birth and, 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 and walk around you. 
Um, and you've got other places where personal space is not that important. You've got people crowded on top of each other in the streets and you've got sellers, you know, you know, hawking their wares, you know, where, wherever you go. And that's not to say one's better than the other. They're both, they both have their place. They're both very exciting kind of cultures to be in, but the, the vibe that you get is very different. And, and just by walking out, sometimes just walking out of the airport, you know, and just looking around and, and, you know, getting the blast of hot or cold air on your face. And, and then, you know, and then sort of just looking around and seeing the way people are dressed, the way they're walking, how the roads are, what the cars look like, et cetera. You know, it really, it, it says so much about a place that, that instantly starts to inform how we experience that place. Um, and that's why, I, you know, I don't like the idea of, you know, showing up to a country, uh, you know, too well-informed or with too many preconceived notions. Uh, I, but once you're there and you start to build those, you can really learn about, you know, where you are. Yeah, I don't know if you had this in China or if you've been to India, but um, you know, I knew okay, there's a bit more than a billion people. I was like, it probably won't feel like that. You know, it's billion. It's probably like <laughs> as soon as you get out of the airport, I'll never forget the old Delhi airport. And I was like, oh yeah, there's <laughs> like there. Yes, it's it feels a lot. You know, it's definitely a lot more crowded. But I didn't think I would experience it so viscerally until I was, you know. But it's it hits you immediately, and it's it's a it's a different yeah, feeling. Absolutely, and yet at the same time, you get that kind of energy. You know, I live in New York City. It's a crowded place, and uh, you know, for a while, I was I was living in the city and working outside the city, and I'd commute every day. And by the time I got home, I was tired. I was you know exhausted. I'd been on a train for an hour and a half. You know, sometimes I didn't even have my own seat. I was standing the whole time. You know, it was tiring. And I'd get home and I'd fall asleep. And then I moved my job to the city as well. And I found myself leaving work sometimes two or three or four hours later than I would normally for my other job. But even though I'm leaving work at nine or 10 at night, I felt invigorated because you feel the energy from the city come and pick you up. And so, you know, you're tired in the office. And as soon as you walk out on the street, because you're not commuting and spending an hour letting your body shut down, you know, you, you are, you are just sort of, at least for me, I was picked up by it. And it, and I felt like I could also, I could go out and I could spend, you know, hour two, three, four with friends, even on a, you know, a weeknight where I've got work in the morning because I had that kind of extra energy. And I feel like places that have lots of people do that sort of thing for some people. And, and you know, India is a good example, China as well, uh, Philippines as well. I mean, just where you have people around that, that push you up uh, and, and prop you up and keep you, you know, energized, I think is, is very cool. Even for me, I, I consider myself something of an introvert. Um, I, I lean a little bit that way uh you know most of the time you know it's just it's really it's really something special but you're right you walk into a country of a billion people and you think it's not going to feel like that and then you spend your first day at a train station trying to get a ticket to wherever it is that you want to go and you realize that there's really no line it's just about who can shove the hardest (laughs) and and it's an adventure especially when you're you know you're raised not to be what you know not to push and shove because you're told that's rude and then you realize okay if i don't do that i'm never gonna get a ticket so you know it is what it is yeah it's a a great part of travel is you get to see just how different people adapt to different uh, circumstances you know it's just a lot of it comes down to that right like in china in uh was it shanghai or beijing i was and i was trying to get on the train and it was like packed i was like there's no way and someone just pushed me on and just smashed me into the train the doors closed behind me and i was like stuck and i was like that's how you do it i guess that's that's the rule and then i learned i'll never i'll never forget the first time i was i was in the philippines and at some point 
I, I took a ferry across from the island I was living on and down to Cebu Island. And then it was another three hours from Cebu Island by, by bus down to uh, the city. So I had to get to the city and I was kind of running late and uh, I knew the next bus wasn't for another hour and a half and I really couldn't wait that long. So the, the bus that was coming in came in and everybody started rushing towards the bus and trying to shove in the doors. And that was the moment I, I felt like I had gone a bit native because I, I put my foot on the wheel in the back of the bus and I threw myself through the window uh, into the bus and I got a seat. <laughs> and that was the important thing was I got the seat. And then, and then I had a moment to relax and I could lean out the window and I could buy a beer and the snack from the woman selling it, you know, right outside the bus at the bus stop. Uh, but, but just in that moment, you kind of realize like, oh, this, I would have never, ever done this or even <laughs> thought about it, and, you know, back in, back home, but it changes you a little bit. Well, I, I'm curious to see what kind of culture, uh, you know, develops on uh, coffee key and see what happens, you know, like what, what what uh what models you come up with maybe who knows what the country will be like or the micronation <laughs> will develop on its own yeah i think it's going to be a really interesting project and we're, we're looking forward to it and welcoming our first guests we're looking forward to uh to expanding our project to other cool things um and i hope uh you know maybe we can do a follow-up in a few months uh when you know, later this year when we're open for business and see how it's going yeah i would love to that would that would be great um i want to thank you very much for your time i, I know you're busy um, it's it's not easy running a micronation. <laughs> I'm sure. Hard to run a country sometimes, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, as you, you've got you know UN meetings and all kinds of things that you probably have to prepare for. Um, of but uh, it's pretty cool. Thank you very much. I will leave. Uh, let's buy an island.com. Everyone should check it out. Uh, I'll leave a link to it in the show notes so everybody can take a look and consider being an investor or becoming a citizen. Um, and it just seems like a really just cool project to be a part of. So um, good for you to actually take that on because I've heard in my travel, so many people saying, oh, we should get an island. We should do an island. And I always think, yeah, but how, how does it, you know, what are the logistics of that? And uh, you've taken a very creative way to, to figure that out. No, I, I appreciate that. Thank you, Anil. And uh, thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Marshall, for being a guest on the Fox Nomad podcast. And thank all of you for listening, all of your support. I hope you enjoy all of the guests that we've had in this second half of season three. I hope you've been enjoying all of these extra episodes. We are really doing our best to put out as many as we can. And I am on the road now from, uh, you know, this is going to be a pretty busy travel schedule for me between basically between now and September and then the tech season hits. So it's going to be full blast throughout the year. Uh, I've got a lot to share with you. So make sure that you give five stars to the Fox Nomad podcast. So you don't miss an upcoming episode, make sure you're subscribed. Also, if you can head over to YouTube and subscribe, then you can actually not only support the channel, support me, but you can also see all these places that I'm going because there's going to be a lot of videos taken from all these places. It's it's uh, it's kind of the, the reason that I'm going. Hey, there you go. All right. Enough of me talking. Have a great rest of your day. Oh, no, wait, I messed that outro up. Let, let me do that again. Until the next episode, I hope you have a great rest of your day.